Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello and welcome. Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe has kicked off this week with the release of Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. But before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves and answer the question, what is your favorite MCU fight thus far? I am Sandra Amstutz. I'm located in Nashville, Tennessee, and I think mine is tied. Ultimately, my favorite fight scenes in the MCU have all been involving Bucky. I just like, I'm very into his (laughs) fighting style. Um, particularly they're not even full scenes, but what came into my mind immediately were two individual like moves that he did that I remember seeing in the theater being like, whoa. Um, the first is in Winter Soldier where, um, he's fighting Captain America and he does this like knife trick where he kind of like drops the knife and then catch it. Very Arya Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Yes. And I remember just seeing that being like, holy shit, like this guy is cool. Um, And then the other one, I believe, is in um, Civil War, which is when um, there's the tunnel and Bucky flips the motorcycle, like causes the motorcycle to stop and flip and then turn around do you know what i'm yeah. talking about yeah that particular move is probably my favorite <laughs> fight sequence in all of the mco nice. what nice. about you i'm lucas Wright, um from chicago and i am right on that track with you um winter soldier the the bucky cap falcon uh black widow fight on the highway mm. um is high up there for me and the second one i'm that possibly is tied for it is also in winter soldier and it's the elevator fight with with steve rogers and oh elevator. yeah that's amazing. I, I love that fight sequence <laughs> so much it's not the first elevator fight it's not i don't think like a unique fight in any way sure. it's just very fun to see that character in that situation um doing the kind of like close quarters fighting that i don't, I don't think we've gotten to see him do before um, right. winter soldier which is a very long time ago at this point yeah so winter soldier man that's a great movie it's, it's it's my favorite mcu movie yeah it's really really good it's the best but before we get deeper into the marvel cinematic universe with shang chi every week we like to talk about something we've either discovered or rediscovered throughout that week so sandra tell me what you're feeling this week this week i'm feeling season two of ted lasso ted lasso is like a big topic on the internet these days like i i feel like i see more of the phrase the ted lasso discourse than i actually do see (laughs) ted lasso discourse um but i am really into this season particularly this most recent episode which is episode seven headspace i i was really blown away by this episode and i i want to know lucas how you feel about us talking are you up to date with ted lasso i'm not i haven't watched any of this season yet whoa (laughs) well that really changed my entire what i was planning on talking about because i really kind of wanted to get into it with you um Mm. Well, in that case, I will be a little... I was going to kind of talk some details, but not spoil anything big. And in that case, I'll just kind of scale back. What I want to say is um, there have been episodes that I found very charming and then episodes that were a little lackluster so far this season. But the most recent episode, um, episode seven, really just had me so hooked with what they're doing with the emotional storyline and the panic that Ted's character faces and the darkness that Nate's character is facing. Um, I really appreciate actually that this happy go lucky show that is like uber positive, right. Mm -hmm. Um, is maintaining that same like ethos, but still incorporating like storylines that make you, um, really think and, and, and that show sort of like the darkness of, um, interpersonal relationships. I'm, I'm really invested. I'm very interested to see how this season ties up. Um, 
And then in addition to like just being invested in the emotional arcs of these characters, um, oh, the other the other arc that I'm really invested in is just like showing um Keely and Roy after having like a whirlwind romance season one, like showing what them in a relationship looks like in a really healthy and interesting way that mm-hmm. where there's still conflict, but it, you you get to see what a healthy re- adult relationship like being worked on is. I love that this their relationship still feels sexy and romantic, even though they're committed and it's not they're not falling in love. They're in love. I feel like sitcoms have a hard time doing that, and this show I yeah. think is really pulling it off. So, in addition to all of those storylines, there are little details on the show that I make me laugh and that I think are so incredibly clever. Um, and the one that I am going to mention that I, because I don't think it's a big spoiler, um, but it's such a clever little funny detail is season two of Ted Lasso introduces dating apps into the universe, fictional <laughs> dating apps. Yeah. And I just want to say as someone who has spent about a decade on dating apps and on lots of them. I really appreciate this representation. Like I like (laughs) seeing dating apps being a major part of a TV show because you rarely see that play into storylines and dating apps are like a major aspect of people's worlds now, especially if there's a lot of single characters on a show, which a lot of TV shows do have a lot of single characters. Um, every single person I know uses dating apps, you know, like that is the reality of our world. So I appreciate one that they're incorporating that. And two, I really appreciate the humor with which they're doing it. Um, There is in this most recent episode, um, one character is using two different dating apps that seem to have very different vibes one of them is a, a main point of the show. It's called. It's an app called Banter, and it's spelled B-A-N-T-R. <laughs> I appreciate that spelling joke. And mm-hmm. the premise of Banter is there's no photos. It's just chatting. Um, so it's for people who want to, like, really get to know someone and not judge someone off their looks, right? Which, of course, leads into, like, a very, like, you've got male situation. Where, which, as many people know, is my all-time favorite movie. So I'm immediately hooked on that as well. Um, the sh- The show is leaning into that reference and has little You've Got Mail references tied into that app, which I find um, nice. very heartwarming and charming. Um, the And then there's another app being used that... It's not especially stated this, but I'm assuming is the the more hookup based app, um, and it is called it is spelled t- the the digit two M S C N T, and the app is called Tumescent, and <laughs> that is the funniest joke of the year for me is to have a dating app called Tumescent that's spelled two M S C N T. Um, I really, really, and it's not even ever stated, like no one ever even said it out loud. I just kind of saw it on the screen and I had to like take a photo immediately because I was so, um, it charmed by whoever came up with to met the dating app called to mescent. Um, I, I really appreciate those little details and Ted, Ted Lasso has a lot of little details like that, um, where, certain things are just showing up in the background and you really, and they really enrich the world and the story. And I'm just very, very into this season. Um, I can't believe you haven't been watching Lucas and I can't (laughs) believe we can't talk about this more. I know. I know at the beginning of the season, we decided to let a couple episodes go by before we, because we wanted to binge, binge them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the things that Ted Lasso does is the ability to weave in, a lot of their episodes together in ways that really feel bingeable. Yeah. Um, even though it comes out week to week. And so I think there was a lot of stuff in our first watch through of <laughs> season one that we missed um, because we didn't kind of have the full story and were able to kind of see episodes back to back like that. So for this season, we were just like, actually let's just wait and watch it all. Like we want to watch it all up until the finale. So we want to watch the finale 
live or you know the day it drops yeah um but have watched everything right up and up to it uh which we thought was a great idea at the time and has been unbearable because uh (laughs) (laughs) we love this show and we really want to watch it we've kept we've been able to keep spoiler free which has been great um but this is like our favorite show on tv and we're the only ones not watching it which is awful i well (laughs) here's what i would say to that lucas is that i i do think that this show is probably better when you binge it than when you watch it week to week. Um, but I, I think y'all have got to just get into it, to be honest. <laughs> it's far enough along now that I feel like we could probably get into it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, there there have been some highs and lows this season, I think. Um, there's been a... There was an episode that I had high expectations for that kind of disappointed me. And then there was, you know, two episodes that really charmed the pants off me. Oh, I guess three maybe now. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm i into this season. Um, I don't really understand a lot of the criticism so far that has been online. Mm-hmm. Any of it that I've seen has been very vague. You know, it seems like people are just, you know, people who don't like this season don't have I haven't seen specific critiques of yet and maybe I'm just not yeah. reading the right pieces but yeah. um I'm in I'm invested I am really really like gung-ho into this and and I think Good. this this past week's episode before this past week's episode I was kind of like oh I'm, st- I'm still liking Ted Lasso and this past week's episode had me like oh this is the sh- this is the amazing show that I fell in love with Good. Sorry, I can't talk to you about it. <laughs> no, that's okay. Well, as soon as y'all do watch it, I want to know yes, because absolutely. I do want to talk about it. Good. Um, what are you feeling this week? Uh, well, this week I uh, just finished a novel, uh, Daisy Jones and the Six, which is a 2019 novel by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Um, it's the story of like the rise and fall of a 1970s like Fleetwood Mac-esque rock band. Um, and what I really love about this book is that it's written from the perspective of an author interviewing everybody involved, um, 30 years later. So everybody's telling a lot of the same stories, but people are remembering it differently and you get interjections from different characters that just give you a lot of insight into, (laughs) um, how these people are, you know, still connected to, you know, quote unquote today in that, in that world, um, versus how they, how they were in the past. Some relationships have kind of broken up. Some have, um, you know, stayed, stayed in contact, stuff like that. Um, but it's just an interesting perspective, I think on, um, stardom and success. And I obviously love, (laughs) um, anything to do with, with music and music creation and fiction. And so getting to see something like this about them talking about their touring process and their, um, recording process and what it's like to write with people and to you know um fall in love on the road and stuff like that i think is just such a well-done story um that feels very real even though it's obviously all all fiction um i i just think it's it's beautiful and i think some of the cliches that end up being in uh like you you have um a lot of i think musical cliches that end up getting uh put into these kinds of stories about drugs and fidelity and um you know the like the, just the kind of the, the kinds of conflict that happen in these kinds of stories uh i feel like show up in tons and tons of those stories and i think this book does a lot with those cliches in interesting ways that that i hadn't seen before and i think if you like almost famous um as a movie you would love um daisy jones and the six as a book you know I've heard so many people talk about this book. Um, my friend yeah. David, I know that he has recommended it before. Um, I heard even more about um, this author's other book. What is it? The Seven, Seven Husbands of yes. Evelyn Hugo. <laughs> Something. The yeah, Seven yeah, Husbands of it. Evelyn Hugo. Um, right. Yeah. And so I'm definitely intrigued. Um, your description of it really does make me interested because, you know, I read mostly romance novels when I do like read fictional novels. And so like my experience with the, with um, the subject matter is limited, but I don't think I've ever read a book where there's a celebrity character where I've been invested or or enjoyed. Um, I don't feel like the, the fictional novels I've read about celebrity have, um, 
been interesting or do it just do the subject matter justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping that maybe this could be like a, the, the exception to that rule. Um, I think, yeah, I think you should definitely check it out. I would say romance, romance abounds in this book. So <laughs> that's great to hear that. Honestly, that is what you need to say to get me to read yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, it, it sounds really great. Um, and so when you say Fleetwood Mac-esque, does that mean it's like a main female member of a band amongst like a bunch of male members? Like what does that look like? Partially. It's really bringing over the chemistry of uh, Stevie Nicks and Lindsey yeah. Buckingham um, and how they really the the front people of the band and how they fell apart and how the band fell apart. Uh, but it's in no way trying to say like this is what happened to Fleetwood Mac it's just kind of uh using that as inspiration yeah and that premise of like a journalist interviewing multiple people is definitely very interesting to me um I think there's so much potential there how many different people is the journalist interviewing uh they interview I think everybody in the band plus like the manager some of their friends wives stuff like that okay so so it's it's a a bunch of a widespread it's, it's a widespread but mostly it's the band members yeah Cool. Um, when, how, I, here's another question I have for you, Lucas. How quickly do you finish a book like Daisy Jones and the Six? I finish it pretty quickly. I, especially because I listened to this on audio mm. and I loved this because they have different actors playing everybody. So it feels like actual real, like real interviews. <laughs> oh, so would you um, recommend, do you think this is a really good audio book? I would absolutely recommend this as an audio book. It, it, it feels so, um, real that because you have a bunch of like really great actors playing these people it's because it's in that interview format it feels like they're actually um having an interview so i would definitely recommend the the audiobook but with, with this one i usually just I, I get stuck in a book so i i can't really put it down so like max like two two days <laughs> yeah so. Um, that's really interesting to hear because I am generally opposed to audiobooks for my own consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, I find them very cringeworthy usually um, and hard to focus on. But if there's different actors playing the characters, that sounds so much more appealing yeah. to me. It's yeah. And and good, like famous actors. As oh, well. um, I'm trying to find. I'm going to be. Yeah, let me. Um, just looking at this. Benjamin Bratt. Um, so- yeah, Benjamin Bratt, Jennifer, Jennifer Beals. Um, Judy Greer. Yeah, Judy Greer. Yeah, Pablo Schreiber. They're they're, they're really good. <laughs> okay. Uh, this so, is really, really exciting to me, actually. Yeah. I would I would definitely do the audiobook if you can. Um, okay. I, I might be doing that. I would read it as soon as possible because I think it's getting made into a, an it, Amazon Prime miniseries. Yeah. Um, starling Riley, Ke- Ke- well, Riley Keough and Sam Clafton. Um, okay it's one of like reese witherspoon's production company stuff that she's doing um so i i am very excited to see that so it'll be good (laughs) okay so this next part of our show is where we talk about movie trailers um and whether we are in or out on them so the first one up is power of the dog the new gene campion movie um, this is about two brothers on a ranch in the 1920s, um, played by Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Plemons. I think that's hilarious that they're brothers. Um, and <laughs> one of the brothers, Jesse Plemons, brings home a wife and a stepson, I think, um, played by Kirsten Dunst and Cody Smith McPhee. And this is just about the other brother, Benedict Cumberbatch, and his relationship with this new family, um, that he has. Um, how do you feel about this trailer? Let me tell you how I feel about this trailer, Lucas. It's a Western. <laughs> Here's what happened. Um, in our Google Doc where we plan out these episodes, um, I saw this name for this trailer, The Power of the Dog. Never had heard of it. Had no context <laughs> for it. Didn't know who was in it. Didn't know what it was about. So I type The Power of the Dog trailer into YouTube. And the image result is a this like the screen the screenshot that's on the youtube clip image is just benedict cumberbatch's face he has facial hair his face is dirty and he's wearing a hat and immediately i went oh no because <laughs> i knew i didn't even have to click on it i was yeah. like this yeah. 
is a fucking Western. <laughs> and I watched this trailer, and I was like, this is a good trailer for a movie that I could not want to see less. Like, this is why I hate Westerns. <laughs> I hate Westerns so much. I, the men, and, and every time I, you make me watch a Western trailer, I think, like, <laughs> Why do I hate this genre so much? Like, I shouldn't. There, the, what the things about it. I there are things that I like in other genres, but I hate in westerns. I mm. hate how menacing they all are. There's no happy westerns. They're all menacing. <laughs> I hate how dirty everyone is. I hate <laughs> the horses. I hate <laughs> that everyone's like violent. I hate <laughs> these movies. And every time you show me a Western trailer, I am mad about it. I love it. <laughs> so that's how I feel about The Power of the Dog. Okay. Would you I see it if it gets nominated for Best Picture? If it gets nominated for Best Picture, probably, and people that I trust say it's good, both mm -hmm. of those things happen, then I would probably okay. see it. Okay. But if only one of them, then no. <laughs> If people I trust say it's good, but it doesn't get nominated for Best Picture, I'm still not interested. <laughs> if it gets nominated for Best Picture, but people I trust don't like it, I'm not watching okay. it. it. That's has, fair enough. It would have to be both for fair me to, tran to transcend my hatred of this, this genre. <laughs> but I do want to give kudos where kudos is due. And I think that this is a very well-cut trailer that does a really good job of, like, conveying tone without conveying any plot like yeah. um and very similar to the other trailer we're going to talk about today and so i i really appreciate when a trailer can do that and um for people who do like this genre i think that this is an interesting and in, like moving um yeah so you're talking about me i yeah. love this trailer <laughs> <laughs> i love this genre um i love jane campion i am um, her movies and her work on the tv show top of the lake also fantastic filmmaker that i'm very excited to see kind of back in the forefront um i've heard great things about this movie coming out of telluride can who knows one of yeah. the <laughs> one of the many film festivals one of the film festivals yeah. we'll never go to yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> um I'm not a huge Benedict Cumberbatch fan in general. I mm. think I think he does a lot of good work, but in general, I'm not you know super into him. What's a in Benedict his... Cumberbatch movie that you've liked? A Benedict Cumberbatch movie that I've liked has been well. This is I think pre big Benedict Cumberbatch, but like August Osage County. I think he's good. I think he's literally really good. That's the only one that's coming to mind for me. Where I was it's... like, what if I really liked Benedict Cumberbatch in other than Sherlock, which is like separate, right? Yeah, 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 um, for sure. And, and August Osage County is the only one that comes to mind. He's so good in August Osage County. And I think what he really thrives in is an ensemble movie where yeah. like he like he can be a part of it and be like really, really great. But I think he has become I, this sounds bad, but like he's become too much of a star um, when really he's, I think, a really good character actor. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think. Sorry to keep the no, conversation on him, but like. I'm trying to like run through his career in my head. And even though he is, has become a star, I don't feel like he's had these huge hits either. You know what I mean? Like other than Dr. Strange, right? Yeah. Um, I, 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 mean, I liked the imitation game, but it was mm -hmm. not a huge success. I don't think. No, no. Um, um Star Trek. Um, oh, right. Star Trek was, was kind of his, his other big breakout. Yeah. And then, I mean, obviously the, all of the Marvel stuff that he's, he's been in, but I right. think, I think he's had trouble like leading movies. Well, um, and the other performance that's coming to mind that I did like was when he had that small role in 1917. Yeah. Yep. Fit perfectly in there. Um, so yeah. So sorry. Continue no. about this yeah. movie. Oh yeah. No, I, th yeah, I think this is kind of a great place for him to be like Kristen Dunst and Jesse Plemons have worked together before done amazing stuff they're i think perfect also character actors who really fit into um a good uh, ensemble and i'm curious to see benedict cumberbatch because obviously like he's he's the one they're marketing this movie on um but i do think it this is gonna feel like a group movie um and so i'm i'm very excited to see him interacting with these other people <laughs> so yeah i'm hoping for a win for him i hope that this is a win for you as well <laughs> <laughs> you can't imagine 
how annoyed I was when I clicked when I saw just his face and I knew that I was about to watch a trailer for a Western. I yeah, And I say yeah. annoyed, like, I'm not annoyed at you for putting this on the list. I'm annoyed yeah. at the existence of this, of these movies. <laughs> Look, Westerns are going to make a comeback. You're ready for it. And, and, oh, and you know, in, in five years, not ready for it. I'm very much not ready for it. <laughs> but here's the thing. If Westerns make a comeback, then you get, like, spins on Western. Then you get, like, romance Westerns Ugh. and, like, fun, maybe, Truly like, my a, nightmare. My nightmare. a heist Western, you know? Like, you start to get fun stuff. They don't all have to be menacing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to find one someday. We're going to find one that you like. <laughs> well, let, let's transition over to um, something that's a little more your speed. Uh, the trailer for Spencer, which is um, the story story of Princess Diana. Um, Diana, this is when – let me see. I'm going to read the, the IMDb summary. It says, during Christmas holidays um, with the royal family – um diana decides to leave her marriage to prince charles Mm -hmm. so this is about the breakup breaking point yes um this is Kristen stewart's is playing um princess diana um and this is directed by pablo lorraine yes pablo lorraine um and written by stephen knight which is interesting to me. <laughs> what did he write? Um, so he wrote that he well he wrote Serenity. <laughs> My Serenity. Your your, your Serenity. Your love. <gasps> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, he also wrote um, the Tom Hardy movie where he's just in the car by himself. Lock. That's what oh, it's with the twins. Um, yeah. Uh, no, that's twins? a different one. No, it's just Tom Hardy by himself. Oh, okay. Yeah. The yeah. Entire movie. Yeah. Um, and then, like, Eastern Promises. Like, he's written he, – uh, most recently, he wrote Locked It Down, which is the uh, uh, Chiatel Ejiofor and Anne Hathaway oh. um, COVID hmm. movie, which gotcha. wasn't great. Right. Um, he, he did Peaky Blinders and, like, he's – and Taboo with Tom Hardy. Like, he's done a lot of, like, what feels like random stuff. Yeah. Um, but I feel like he's a good writer. So I'm curious to see kind of yeah. what, what happens here um, with this movie. So what are your thoughts on the trailer? Well – let me tell you, I think I've watched the trailer for Spencer 25 times oh, since it came out. That's too many times. I I, mean, I'm, I might be exaggerating, but it's been a lot. <laughs> like, I've watched it several times. Um, it. I'm obsessed with this trailer, and I cannot wait to see this movie. I want to see this movie right now. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> I think this is a, a beautiful trailer, and it's... It, I think it's very interesting to talk about this trailer and the power of the dog trailer in the same conversation, because they're very similarly cut, even though they're different genres and different subject matters, they Mm -hmm. both like don't really focus on plot. They focus on, you know, visuals and music vibes. Yeah. And there's no very minimal dialogue. And the main character that the, the movie is about doesn't really speak much in the trailer. Um, and I'm into this kind of trailer design. With pr- this Spencer trailer, um, I remember when this, the day that this trailer coming out, one, I feel like I texted it to everyone I knew and <laughs> being like, <laughs> watch this trailer. And I remember telling someone in a text that if this movie was just clothes and Princess Diana dancing, I would be in. Like, if that is all the movie was, if there was no dialogue and it was just, like, a mood piece of Princess Diana, like, in despair and then dancing and then wearing clothes, sign me up. Um, Like, that would be enough for me. Everything about the visuals in this trailer I'm invested in. I am – I adore Kristen Stewart. I have from day one. I love Kristen Stewart so much and I want her to get her Oscar attention from this because I think she's going to be great. And I love that this trailer knows how desperately we want to hear her do the accent and plays with that expectation in the cutting of this trailer. Um, it's like the biggest impact it could have for me. Um, so I am obsessed with this. I can't wait. How are you feeling about Spencer? I think this is a really great trailer. Um, I'm very, ex- I'm very excited about the movie. I think Kristen Stewart is 
I think pretty polarizing in general. I really, I really, really like her. Um, I'm worried that her polarization is going to take away from, like, it's going to be focused more on her and how good she did. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like you said, like how well, how well was her accent or how, how, how well was her, how good was her, <laughs> how good was her accent? How good was her, um, you know, her facial expressions and all these things, um, which I don't feel like you'd get from all of these kinds of questions about some other, um, actresses who played mm-hmm. her. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I am very excited about this movie. I think this is a story that is going to be interesting to tell um, at this point with the amount of media we, we have on um, on kind of this portion of her life. I mean, with, with The Crown already, um, with um, – I feel like we've had a couple other movies about this already um, as well as just – Naomi Watts movie. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and we're about so- to get – so we've had the Naomi Watts, which I haven't seen. We've had this season of The Crown with Emma Corrin. And then we're yep. about to get another season with Elizabeth Debicki. And so like... Which will cover this right. portion of, of, of her life. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm curious if by the time it comes out, it'll just feel like, okay, we're doing this again. Um, but I think... I mean, I'm 100% in on it. I think it's beautiful. I think my one uh, complaint about the trailer is just the music um, with the... The children's choir, it feels so social network in a, right. in a way that, like, other movies have, have done before. There have been many trailers that have kind of copied that social network vibe. But I think this does it too much. <laughs> Plus, it's been, you know, over a decade since we got that that original trailer that that took this, you know, pop song um, and put set it to a children's choir. Um, and so it feels just overdone at this point. That's my only uh, sure. negative about the trailer, but it doesn't take away from the fact that I'm very, very excited about this movie. Well, I like the music and the trailer, but what I'm interested in is the reviews I've hear I've heard coming out of um, I don't whatever film festival it's at right now um, are that like I feel like the reviews have been mixed about the film. Very positive about Kristen Stewart's performance, but exceedingly positive about the score. Like, all I ever hear any critics talk about is how amazing the score is in this movie. And so it is interesting that if they have this jackpot of a score on their hands, that the trailer doesn't seem to incorporate that. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. So that's intriguing to me, why that choice was made. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't be more excited. I have not seen Jackie. Um, and this trailer made me want to go watch Jackie. I think you should absolutely watch Jackie before you see this movie. Right. So yeah, I, I could, I, do we know when Spencer's coming out? Like, oh, that's a good question. Spencer comes out November 5th. Oh, that's so far away. (laughs) I was really hoping for October, but no. Okay. November 5th. Let me also just say. The poster for Spencer that was released is oh. amazing. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Good. I'll take a lot of stories about Princess Diana and I'll take a lot of movies with Kristen Stewart. So I'm I'm What do you think about a what do you think about a Kristen Stewart plays Diana in the in a Western? <laughs> Diana in a Western, I think would be um I would want to see her wear those. Like if if it was here's here's the Kristen Stewart here's the Kristen Stewart as Diana in a Western that I would like, not anything that's menacing or dirty, but mm-hmm. that's like more Orville Peck like Western clothes, <laughs> like Western like high fashion Western clothes. Okay, I would watch that. Interesting. Okay, I'll see what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Are you ready to talk about Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings? Absolutely. Uh, rolling in the palace, but you're too tame. I ain't for the south, but I appreciate the wood grain. Never calling me about the noise. It's only two men. I'm in the same building, but the flows and view change. I ain't for the waiting now. I bought a Rari and I did it just to hit Being the first movie in phase four, um, having wrapped up the Infinity Saga, um, this is our first movie to, because obviously Black, Black Widow takes place in the middle of that so even though it just came out um, it still feels more part of that world so this is our first feels like next step and so we're seeing a world that we've never seen we're introduced to characters that we've never seen before um so i was curious kind of how different it would actually feel um than marvel movies and i will say kind of up front i liked it in general i really liked it i i think some of the um the character 
pieces that um, I think really shine are probably from um, Destin Daniel Cretton. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, with, I mean, some of the things that you can see in the movies, uh, the two of his movies that we have seen, um, that he really cares about are the relationships that characters have um, with each other. And I think that comes through in this movie more than almost any other Marvel movie, I think, which is ex- very exciting to see. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I think for me, this isn't a spoiler to say that um, the third act uh, is a big action sequence that kind of falls apart for me. Um, Where which... have I heard that before? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to record that and then just say it at the end of every Marvel movie <laughs> right. review that we, we talk about. Um, so, I, yeah, you, you, you kind of lose me there. So I don't think it's going to be like one of my top ten Marvel movies, but it's absolutely in the top half for sure. Yeah. So I really liked this movie. when we were When I was watching it, um, I think I was like a little hypercritical um, – just because, you know, we've talked, we've been talking about this for years, but because of the how many Marvel movies we see nowadays, or Marvel, mm-hmm. you know, pieces of entertainment now with TV, I feel like I'm a little hypercritical when I'm watching them, being like, is this going to be top tier Marvel? Is this going to be just okay Marvel? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of just enjoying the movie, I'm kind of ranking it as I'm watching it. And... I was really pleasantly surprised at how invested I was and how unique I found this movie to be and how fun it was. Um, I I think I have some critiques of it, but mostly I think this is a really, really fantastic introduction. Um, Mm -hmm. And introductions, I think, are really hard. What I like the most about this movie is it still feels like a Marvel movie. There's definitely still a lot of formulaic stuff here, but... It was probably the most visually interesting Marvel movie I've seen in a long time. If not, maybe the most visually interesting Marvel movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think the only ones that it would kind of compare to for me are um, truly when I think of Marvel movies where the visuals took me, like, took my breath away, I think of Thor 2 and Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And, and, and this one, I think meets those if not exceeds them and i i'm sure that eternals will kind of blow this all out of the water i'm ex- mm-hmm. i have like high expectations for that but i loved how um fantastical this felt compared to most marvel movies that feel so technology based and science based and i felt like this movie really got to like a appreciate magic in a way that has been missing from this whole universe. I also think that Seema Lee is just like, like never endingly charming. Like what uh, this performance, this (laughs) I I've never seen him in anything before. I'm obsessed with him as like the new hero in this group of heroes that we're watching. Uh, One thing I want us to talk about is normally I feel like we don't, you know, respectfully talk about actors' bodies that much, you know, because it usually isn't super relevant. Um, But in the Marvel Universe, I feel like body type is very relevant to the story. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of, like, discussion about the Marvel superhero body and the trainers that they all go, they all go to the same trainers. They all, you know, pay the same amount of money to get the exact same bodies. And, um, what I really loved about Simu Lee's body in this movie is how it was, you know, he's definitely ripped in all the ways that the Marvel superheroes are. And there's the gratuitous, or not gratuitous, um, what's the word <laughs> when it's like obligatory, um, obligatory, yeah, like shirtless shot, right? Yeah. Um, but I really love that his body feels more like that of like a male gymnast and yeah. less of like a, a ripped gym rat. Yeah. Yeah. Um like I think that that was more interesting to look at and then made those fight sequences way more intriguing and interesting. Um So those are the things that like really jumped at, out at me when watching this movie that I really loved about it. Um I think like you uh, I agree with you that the the final fight scene um you know when it started I was like, oh, maybe this isn't going to be the same jumbled mess that they always are. And then 
something happens and it does yep. become that. Yeah. Um, I so said we'll the talk, exact same thing. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that in spoilers. I'm excited to talk about that. Yeah. That's probably my biggest criticism of the whole movie is that set piece. Um, yeah. Other than that, there are so many set pieces in this movie that I found new and interesting um, and was so hyped for. Um, we can talk about each one in spoilers, but a lot of fight sequences, a lot of set pieces that uh, as I was watching, I remember thinking, wow, this I'm so hooked on whatever they're doing right here and now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, this is a movie that I have so much to say about in spoilers, but, but I, before yeah. spoilers, I would just want to say this is a great time at the movies, a great introduction to like a new world in Marvel and a new character um, that has me really excited for what we're how like this story is going to move forward. Same. I agree. I would say the only thing I, w- I would want to add on is um, Tony Leung is amazing in this movie. Yeah. Um, this is his first Hollywood movie. He's a, obviously a, a huge <laughs> um, Chinese movie star. Um, and getting to see him is just incredible. Um, he commands every scene he's in. And I just loved getting to watch him here. Uh, I feel like. There are well, there's some scenes that we can talk about in spoilers that I was just like, man, I this is a beautiful movie, and I love um, some sequences in it. I think more than some of any other sequence in um, a Marvel oh, movie. Truly, I mean, truly, some beautiful things. That's the other yeah. thing is Marvel has a lot of entertaining scenes, a lot of like engaging scenes, but very few beautiful to look at, like both in emotion and in physical beauty. And I really, this movie really took the time to incorporate beauty in ways Mm -hmm. that I I appreciate. Yeah. All all that to say, we uh, obviously highly recommend it. So, (laughs) and I recommend seeing it in a theater if you can. I mean, it's only available in theaters right now. Yeah, yeah, Um, it's your only option. So, (laughs) but I mean, seeing it while it's in theaters. um, Oh yeah, yeah. you know, if you can do that safely, I would recommend it. Cool. All right, spoilers start now. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, crack and gas. Spoilers. Remember. You wanted this. I have a question for you. Okay. Um, Aquafina in this movie. When yeah. you heard she was in it, saw her in the trailer, um, did you expect her to be a love interest in this movie? I'm so glad we're starting here because I have <laughs> so many thoughts about this. Okay. Yeah. From the trailer, no, I did not expect her to be a love interest. Happy to see her. I really like yep. Aquafina. I think. Aquafina is very funny. I was really happy that she was in this movie. She seemed like the funny, you know, sidekick character. Um, like, she seemed like the Ned in Spider-Man, to be yes. quite honest. Agreed. I think that this relationship dynamic has so much potential. And it's the first time I think Marvel could get romance right in these movies. They set this up that they're just friends, right? And they call yep. it out, right? Which, if the fact that it's being called out makes you think that it's going to lead into something more. Because (laughs) um, the way, especially the way it was called out. Because I feel like Mm -hmm. that you could have called it out in a way that was like, hey, just so you know, everyone, they're going to just be friends. Like, there's a way you could have done that exact same scene with the grandma that was more lighthearted, that made it like, we're making this a firm boundary and less like a leading into something else, if that makes sense. But Mm -hmm. instead the way it was set up makes you think it's leading into something else. And so I was on the edge of my seat for that, the whole movie. And so then I, it was heightened, right? Like every look that they shared or touch that they shared, you're like, is this going to lead into something more? Is this going to, when is this going to develop? How is this going to develop? And I'm obsessed with the fact that there was no kiss in this movie, that there were these slight, you know, romantic inclinations, but nothing overt that made it official that they were a romantic couple, right? Um, And Marvel is very bad, I think, at generating real romance. And (laughs) they rush into everything, right? And true romance, like the best in romance novels... 
um, or in fan fiction, the term that like is used is called slow burn, which is when it takes a while for the two people to finally realize their feelings and get together. Um, that is where the good stuff is, right? Jim and Pam on the office. Like, if they had just gotten together at the end of season one, they would mm-hmm. not be the great romantic couple that everyone was invested in. Yeah, and the if, audience has to know that these two people should be together before those two people know they should yes. be together. <laughs> and we have to be, like, begging for it, right? right? We have to be, like, when they're in a scene together, being like, just kiss! Right. Um, and resisting that is the good stuff. And so I am very impressed that this movie that Marvel's finally learned, um, I don't know if it's Marvel has finally learned their lesson or if Destin Daniel Cretton was like, hey, if you actually want this to build into something real, this is what you have to do. Um, But I love that we feel the possibility, um, but that it isn't fully realized yet. And if they're going to keep these two characters in multiple movies together, it's going to be so much more satisfying for them to get together later on than it would have been for them to share a quick kiss at the end of this movie. 100% agree. I was just worried the whole movie that yeah. they were going to make them get together at the end. Yeah. <laughs> because obviously, like, they didn't build it enough for if it was happening in this movie. But I just kind right. of assumed it was going to happen in this movie because that's how these movies work. Right. And so the whole time I was just like, oh, I hate this. This is going to be awful at the end when it's just, like, out of nowhere. <laughs> like, they're trying to wrap up this this love story, apparently. And yeah. they didn't do that. And I was very happy about that. Um, I also think that Aquafina is not the type of love interest. Um, love interest that that most movies would usually have. Absolutely. And so I also felt like on the other end, it was like, uh, well, obviously you're going to keep her a friend because she's Aquafina and not right. you know someone else. And so I I think I had just had that conflict the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> within me. Um. So I think it ended in a great place to see like, well, you can kind of do a lot of different things here. Um. To help you know to grow these characters and everything like that. So I'm really excited actually about where that goes. <laughs> me, I'm I'm very excited. I think Friends to Lovers is like really is always you know like a, yeah. a trope that people love. Um. I love what they did with them physically to like clue the audience in that this has the potential, but we're not fulfilling that yet. The small touches that can be friendly, but that can also be romantic. The, yep. the look that Aquafina gives him when he has his shirt off, you know, um, <laughs> I, I, those moments matter a lot because like, those are the moments that in romance where, where things change, right? Like Rarely do people just be friends and then all of a sudden there's a kiss. Like that is so inauthentic. The real, the things that make it feel real are the moments where you see someone without their shirt and immediately like this person who's always just been a friend, you have this interest in all of a sudden. And, or you go through something tough and you share a moment of like physical comfort with each other. And then that sparks something. And yeah, I'm just – I'm really excited. I'm excited to finally have a romance in the Marvel <laughs> Universe. <laughs> Can't believe it's taken this long. Um, I do think that the romance of his parents in this movie is amazing. Oh, and their first, like, fight sequence together um, in that forest is – As I was watching it, I was just like, this is, this is just – Ah, perfection. That's exactly what I needed. <laughs> to me, that's the best scene in the movie, right? It's just mm-hmm. – it's – visually beautiful the forest setting the choreography the way that it's a fight scene that looks like a dance sequence i i'm upset throughout that played out throughout this whole movie is where there's so much dance involved um but that one where it was very explicit that this was like a romantic dance or evolved into this romantic dance yeah um and just like yeah the looks that they shared and the Mm -hmm. chemistry between the two characters oh I was so enthralled by that scene. Yeah, that that one, and then the the scene where Michelle Yeoh is teaching um, Sean how to kind of yeah. do all of that with the leaves and everything like that. Those two, I think, were just beautiful dance sequences. It felt like that. Yeah, I really loved. It yeah, in this movie. so that makes me want to talk about like generally how how the fighting is different in this movie than it has been in any other Marvel film. Um, how it is like more of martial arts it's more martial arts based and less like punching and guns right yeah 
Yeah, which is obviously great. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think it does take a lot of the, like, the, a lot of the Wukja aspects of a lot of, um, like, Chinese hero movies, um, mm-hmm. which is very fun to see in the in this universe. Um, I What I do like, I feel like Marvel early on was all about punching. And then as it kind of expanded, you get a bunch of different styles of fighting. Well, um, punching and, like, lasers, right? Yes, like punching and lasers. Power correct. beams. Yes. And which I feel like I'm glad that this movie didn't, use the rings too much yeah because i'm like i am over beams of power like Mm -hmm. there's nothing which is like part of the sad thing of captain marvel right because like it's all beams of power essentially yeah and that is so boring to me as a as a power Mm -hmm. to watch yeah, and so I think this feels really inventive for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Obviously, they didn't right. invent any of these styles, but like it'll be very interesting to see this play against other styles as they come up, which I think is the fun of the of the Marvel Universe is you get to see all of these things start to mix together. Totally. Um, so I yeah, I really it felt very unique to this style of movie um, in a way that I'm excited to see move forward. Yeah, um, I do want to talk about the one of the set pieces that i was i found super entertaining um and that was the bus sequence which felt like Uh a fast and the furious sequence in a marvel movie yep (laughs) which is why i loved it so much it was so fun um i think the choreography is great in that as well but i think um for me it's the aspect like you said the fast and furious like more fantastical like crazy out there yeah um I do love that they set up that she can drive yes. um, early on in this movie so because that just keeps coming back, which is really, really fun. Um, and so having her drive this bus while he's fighting these people felt like one of the more, I think, exciting uh, action scenes in, in Marvel movies. And I, I wasn't a huge fan of sword hand guy in general, mm. um, but I thought this is this was the best use of getting to, to see him. Yeah. I mean, that scene had everything I want from a Marvel movie. I think like it, interesting, inventive fight, fight sequence, a big mm-hmm. action set peak sequence in general, right? Like an addition to the f- interpersonal fighting, but like a big action set pieces sequence happening. Um, humor, right. With the, the, the yep. guy that was live streaming, like <laughs> cut intercutting those fights moments with those jokes work is something that marvel does really really well um loved that and uh, honestly the thing that like tipped it over the edge for me from being just something i was really into to something that i loved so much was the the bus signal the like the dinging of the bus like little bus bell (laughs) as like you'll know my signal when i say it and then that is moments like that are very charming for me. And yeah, the whole sequence. Um, I mean, I have been watching a lot of fast and furious lately, so there, <laughs> those sequences are fresh in my mind and that would have fit in one of those movies perfectly. And that's a high compliment mm-hmm. from, yeah. from me. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, the other big sequence that I found really like thrilling was the fight sequence on the side of the building with the bamboo. Yeah. Um, that felt very like Mission Impossible, and I was very into like I don't feel like a lot of Marvel fight sequences feel dangerous. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, they feel contained usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one, even though I don't, I didn't think that these characters were gonna actually die. Like it <laughs> yeah. felt like they were in a real danger. Like that felt yeah. scary and dangerous. And so I, I appreciated that as well. I, I like the, in that sequence specifically is the limitations of like being able to use what's around you. Yeah. Um, which happens on the bus sequence as well. Um, but just that is something that I don't feel like we get to see the other Marvel heroes do is like use their environment right? Um, as, as much as we got to see here. They do, they do in some instances, but a lot of times it's like using their powers or using their tool, whatever, whether that be a shield or their suit or whatever, but yeah. being able to use like the poles or the, um, you know, their coat and like, just like stuff like that to fight is very fun to watch. Yeah. Well, and that also makes me realize that like, this was an introduction of a superhero where 
he definitely has special skills, right? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't yep. have any superpowers until the very, very end of the movie. And yeah. so this is not about like a superhero learning how to use their powers. This was about a, a skilled person, very similar to like mm-hmm. a Black Widow skill set, um, who, yeah, is is meeting people with the same skill sets and and that was that that limitation also is interesting um before we talk about the ending fight i do just have to say another thing that really like made this movie so special and like set it apart from any other marvel film was the fantasy of this like hidden world and all these animals like i was so into that I was into, you know, it was very evocative for me of, like, Pokemon and Harry Potter and the never-ending story and just trying to think of, like, what other movies I've seen that have incorporated, like, new and beautiful, interesting animal creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I just loved that so much. I would have spent, I would have like spent so much time in the story within that world, just exploring all of the different like magical elements of that. Um, I appreciate that that mo- this movie took the time to like have those be beautifully rendered um, because we don't see it very often anymore. I would say. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, and, and a lot of these movies also don't really, incorporate spirituality or magic you know the closest we've come has been dr strange and Mm -hmm. even dr strange it feels like it's science more than it is magic um and this movie is happy to like not try to explain the science behind any of this right yeah to me dr strange doesn't feel sciencey it feels more um book learning like like mm. uh like study magic as opposed to like feel magic it feels like yeah. there's not a lot of feeling in that yeah that magic um whereas this feels very emotional and um uh more captivating for me at least <laughs> so, yeah yeah um I'm, i do think magic is obviously going to play into where the marvel cinematic universe goes a little bit more with what we've seen from um obviously dr strange but also uh it's called her the red phoenix what is her name scarlet witch (laughs) scarlet witch yeah yeah Yeah, i i'm very interested to see how like the scarlet witch magic interacts with the shang chi magic those how those two worlds collide you know yeah Yeah, definitely Um, i'm also hoping that you know now that he has these rings right and he has some superhero powers Mm -hmm. like it is what, what is the city's name is it taolo I think. Yeah. Um, is Talo going to come back? Is that also going to be like a Wakanda now where we revisit it and it's become part of the universe or is it going to be something that we just experienced in this movie? I hope we come back to it. You know, yeah. I hope that we see those cool lions again and like that Michelle Yeoh like it, it becomes a part of the the movies that we like I hope that we revisit all of this because it's so juicy in my mind. Yeah. I um, 100% agree. <laughs> so that now that we've like discussed that I do want to say like with that final fight sequence when it was like these first of all very creepy these like the creatures that yeah. were like sucking the souls of out of people um the the whole soul sucking I found very creepy for a Marvel film. Like, I don't normally get like spooked in these movies, and I found that to be a little like um, unnerving. When yeah, it was, I agree. <laughs> when it was just that, I was like, okay, this isn't like this is interesting. I what I really don't like. Um, I've never been interested in like monster fights where like. I like I, the whole Godzilla King Kong mm-hmm. thing has no interest to me. I yep. don't have any interest in watching two giant CGI monsters fight each other. Yep. And when it became that, I was fully checked out. Yeah, I felt the same way. I think there was a there was a point where he confronts his dad and I thought maybe this is it. Maybe this is like the big ending fight. Yeah. Is they just f- have to fight each other and that's the end. 
Yeah. Um, which would have been really exciting. And that, but then when the, the, the thing gets out, the, whatever the big monster is <laughs> gets yeah. out, I was like, Oh no. All right. So we're doing this still. Um, I a hundred percent agree that like the, it's so, it takes away, I think all the emotion out of the movie when you have just the, the, that big CGI fight at the end that really doesn't feel like it's, um, doing anything at all. Yeah. Like it's it, like, nobody's well, actually involved in that fight really. And, and it's also, yeah, it's like these two dragons, we just met both of them. Like yeah. I'm not. I don't care about either of these dragons. Like, yeah, yeah, Yeah. that really took a downturn for me. Um, But it was preceded by such a beautiful moment, which was when the dad has that, those flashbacks and like gives up his life and his son and his powers to like his son. And he runs through those moments with his son right before he does it. So beautiful. I love the way this movie also played with time and told the story out of order. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think getting that, to see those those flashbacks, I think, were all and, throughout the movie was a perfect way of, of, yes. of getting all of the, the info we needed. <laughs> to do flashbacks and to mix the order of them up really worked out. And to do flashbacks from different perspectives really worked. And... Um, I was really invested in like the story of this family unit. Um, And so that scene where like our villain is like conquest, like our our villain dies. um, It was more emotional than I expected it to be. I agree. I also think that his relationship with his sister, which we haven't talked about much yet. um, Yeah. Is I think really unique in this movie and like their connection and their kind of different relationships with their father. I think I really enjoyed that. (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, I, she's very interesting. I'm very curious about what the next chapter looks like with her. Like whether she's going to be last scene, right. That after credit scene, if that's her taking a villainous turn or uh, like, or just a murky turn, which I think would be way more interesting. I don't want to see her become a villain. I want her to see, I want her to become more of a murky figure. Um, Similar, I guess, uh, but better than, the Sharon yeah, Carter yeah. <laughs> at the end of <laughs> Talking on the Winter Soldier. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, what's also interesting is that like they have such a similar skill set, right? And they seem to work well as a team. And that like that final fight sequence is mm-hmm. kind of them working together. It's interesting that like at the end of the movie, the other after credit scene when Wong was like, "I need both of you to like both both Shang Chi and." Aquafina, Katie, um, where it's like, really, does he really need Katie? Like Katie witnessed all of this and was a little bit involved, but was not like the main player. Right. It feels like if he needs two people or, or once, you know, the, the invested parties that the sister would be the one he'd be like, I need both of you. Does right. that make sense? <laughs> yes, like, definitely. like, <laughs> not Katie who like just showed up and shot yeah. an arrow. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I got super confused by that when, when he picked her up as well. I, I was like, really? I mean, She's I'm happy on? to keep the two of them together. Yeah, like yeah. for the future stories, yeah. but from a script perspective, that didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> and it is interesting that like, while I think having the sister have this maybe murkier story, um, is interesting it is curious that like the she and the brother aren't going to be this team moving forward when it seems like yeah. they have such a great dynamic in that capacity yeah i what i don't want because it, it, i do feel like this like this movie really dug into like the healing of their relationship and not mm-hmm. that it's like a perfect relationship now but it is right healed like they have reconciled yeah um the hurt of of him leaving her so yeah. for her to then turn into a bad guy like in the next movie i think wouldn't, wouldn't yeah feel right so i yeah, yeah the, the the last scene here felt uh i got i get nervous so if, if yeah. it is she's just kind of more of a shady person like a sharon carter um i'd be fine with that if it's she's the bad guy of the next movie against him i'd be like i think I was also kind of hopeful that, like, moving into the universe, that they would become maybe more of a duo, and it would be less about, like... I would love that, yeah. Because we don't have 
many duos, you know, other than romantic partnerships, right? Um, yeah. I, I guess the closest would be Ant-Man and the Wasp, which is romantic. Um, yeah, true. But I, I think there's something very um, unique about a, a duo where there is an equal, they are equals, you know, like their their powers are equal, that they, the strength is them being together and not being individual heroes. Um, that's something we haven't really seen a lot of in this universe, but that I think could be really compelling to watch, right? Both from like a fight sequence perspective, but also from a storytelling and emotional, you know, perspective. Yeah, definitely. This movie has me excited for these characters moving forward. Um, I'm trying the whole, the end credit sequence where it was like, what are these rings made out of? (laughs) I was kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. Tell me like, tell me later when it matters. (laughs) Well, to me, what I want from an end credit sequence is I want intrigue or a surprise, right? Yeah. So, like, the one with the sister kind of had that, where you're kind of like, ooh, where's this going to go, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like if you're going to have an end credit sequence, I need to have, like, a reveal of a character. Um, like, ooh, this person's going to be in the next movie. Or... um or a twist of, you know, some sort of twist, some sort of reveal, something that, like, has me excited. Them just, like, looking at the rings together with Captain Marvel and Hulk. Yeah. It felt just like the dutiful, like, we have to connect these stories and less, right. you know, exciting. Yeah, if if we learned more about the rings that, like, uncovers something for us. And maybe it does for Marvel, like, people who know the comic books or something like that. That it, Yeah. That, I think for most people, it's just like, okay, yeah, this is going to fit into the larger universe eventually. (laughs) I'm not saying that this makes any sense because, like, I don't know the comics. But, like, if I were to – something that would have been intriguing would have been, like, a shot of Scarlet Witch back in her little cabin or whatever. And she's flipping through a spell book and there's a picture of the Ten Rings. So it's, like, something where it's like, oh, this is connecting these people and, oh, like, she might – be after them or yeah. like oh she might know something about these rings right. that we you know like yeah. i don't know yeah connecting it to whatever it's actually trying to connect it to eventually and that makes me i want those sequences to i want to have questions right like yeah. i want to have oh well i wonder what that means or i wonder what that how that's going to play out this sequence with Captain Marvel and Hulk and Wong. Yeah. I didn't have any questions after that. Yeah, it doesn't help me imagine a future right. for for this at all. Which right. So, yeah, I agree. Fully. Yeah. Um, well, I think that about wraps it up for us. Sandra, where can we find you online? You can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A M S T U T Z. You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff, and you can find us together on Twitter at Feeling Pod. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 